Welcome to Ridgecrest Baptist. We thank you for listening. Now, here is this week's message. You know, we just were singing Christ is Enough. And I want to thank all of our veterans. We need to make sure we recognize our veterans this weekend. So I would encourage you to find a veteran, just say thank you, and to maybe try to do something for a veteran. You could uh, point them out to one of the free lunches they could go to get. I guess then you could say, hey, why don't you go over there and get you a free lunch? So um, I just am deeply grateful for all the service of our veterans and the freedoms. You know, just since my trip to Ecuador, I have had an enhanced sense of the blessings of being in the United States. Uh, if you don't know, we got kind of got a firsthand experience of what it's like to live in a country without law and order. So I just am so thankful for our veterans. And, of course, we want to celebrate their service and thank them. But I want to uh, tell you that there's nothing that excites me more. There's nothing that helps me to get over uh, a a spirit of sadness. When Hey, we were wondering if the sun was going to come up this morning. Did anybody get up this morning and it was still dark? And you're like, come on, is it going to rise? But, hey, the sun came up again. So life goes on. But I want to um, encourage you. Y'all are looking at me like y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Y'all know I'm talking about us getting whipped yesterday. All right. So uh, I want to encourage you, though, that there's nothing you can do to bounce back from something discouraging more than the, the great commission and the glory of God. When you start thinking about God being at work and about the glorious gospel and what it's done for us and the reality of eternal life, then it's going to put a smile back on your face. And I, am, I, I know God's will for this church is for this church to be a church that is having a global impact. And next week, I'm going to be talking to you about an Acts 1-8 global outreach plan for our church for the next five years as we move forward as a church. And trying to be a church that has balance, has a balance in our heart for missions so that we're not uh, we're like a, a, an automobile going down the road. You know, you can have tires that are not in line and your car is constantly pulling one way or the other. And I think the church is a lot like that. If we put too much emphasis on just one type of mission, then we can get out of the line. But when we have a balanced approach, then uh, that'll keep us healthy and keep us going toward God's glory. And I want to uh, encourage you to realize that there is a, a part of our mission that we need to do that in, in, in the International Mission Board is asking for help to reach people in the world that have no access to the gospel. And I'm just going to be straight and, and plain. My heart is to reach people that don't have access to the gospel. Uh, I just feel uh, that that's the, the, the mission of the church is to take the church to every person. But my heart is, is for us to be involved in a balanced way, to have a balanced approach to people in the world. But in to have a desire to reach people that have no access to the gospel right now. And I had that at, uh, you know, in my previous experience, and it was a blessing to me. So let me introduce to you Nick Reed. Nick is a very close friend of mine. He and I went to Africa together, and uh, he's been to Africa four times. And he's going to tell you about that. And, and this is uh, basically because I feel like our church needs to get involved in trying to reach an unreached people group in Africa. And that's what we're going to talk about. His wife is Laurie. They're an awesome Christian couple that just uh, are they're, they're They're lay folks. He works for Randall Riley, has for about 10 years. He's one of the leaders there, Randall Riley Publishing. 
but they have a you know the missionary spirit about them. They're like missionaries. That and that's that's what all of us should be. We are missionaries. There's no professional missionaries and non missionaries in the Christian world. So Laurie and Nick are like missionaries. They live in uh, the the Ralph community close to Shiloh Baptist Church. They have three children. Uh, Molly is a kindergartner, and I, and then uh, Olivia is a second grader, and Luke is a fourth grader this year. So I want to encourage you to just thank them for coming and be blessed by what he's going to talk to you about today. And brother, I just want you to share your heart with us. Well, good morning, y'all. I am thankful to be here. I'm thankful to you for having me, and uh, I'm excited this morning to talk about what God's doing. If you are a child of God, anywhere we go, whatever's going on, anytime we get together to worship and magnify the name of Jesus and what he has done, we've got good news, and we've got a reason to be excited, and we've got a reason to be fired up about what God's doing, and that's where I'm at this morning, and that's what I want to share with you about. to set the stage for what we're going to talk about on a Sunday morning, I can't imagine uh, not breaking out the word and breaking into the Bible, even as I'm going to give you a, a report on what God's doing. Uh, I want us to read. If you have your Bible, take it out and turn to Romans, the 10th chapter. And we're going to read some good news and we're going to read some scriptures that have to do with exactly what it is uh, the Lord is doing in Becca missions and the things I'm going to talk to you about this morning. So in Romans, the 10th chapter, beginning in verse nine, the Bible says, if you shall confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Amen. Hallelujah. For with the heart, man believes to righteousness and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whosoever shall believe on him will not be ashamed. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for the same Lord is over all, and he is rich to all who call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without someone to come and proclaim to them? And how shall they go and proclaim except they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. In verse 17, it says, and so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. I want to share with you about my involvement in how I'm getting to see God work to use his word to bring people to faith in West Africa. Uh, If you would go to the next slide. These two guys right here have been an instrumental part. When I think about how did I get here this morning to talk to you about this and and to see all that I've seen God do. These two gentlemen right here have been instrumental in that. Of course, one of them is a familiar face to you. Uh, It's your pastor. Uh, And pastor David used to be my pastor. And The Lord used him in a mighty way in my life uh, in a number of ways, but this involvement in missions was a big part of it, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that. Uh, If you would, go to the next one. So if you think about sort of how I started getting involved in this, uh, Pastor David's ministry at our church uh, was something, if, if you're a Southern Baptist and you believe as I believe, 
that God calls pastors to churches for specific purposes he has for specific seasons of time to accomplish what he desires in that church and in the lives of people in that church. And in, at our church, one of the things that Brother David's early ministry there did was to tell me something that, believe it or not, I had never heard before in my life. I was not somebody who woke up every morning and said, you know what? I know exactly what my purpose today is. I know exactly what my mission today is. And his ministry at our church began by saying, hey, you personally, if you're a child of God, you have a purpose and you have a mission every single day when you get up and do what you do. And that purpose is the same as the purpose and mission of the church. Your purpose every day when you get up and do what you do is to say, I am alive for the glory of God. What I do each day is all about the glory of God. And my mission in life is the Great Commission. And that's no different than the mission and purpose of the church. And believe it or not, nobody ever told me that before. And God began to just draw my attention uh, towards this concept and towards what am I doing uh, to live on purpose and what am I doing to live on mission. And Brother David had preached a series of messages about... Um, the Lord building his church, his plan for the local church, and that our mission was, in fact, the Great Commission. He asked this question to close one of these messages, and the Holy Spirit just stamped this question on my heart to say, how are you personally involved in the Great Commission? And my answer was, I don't really know. And, you know, I was started seeking the Lord about this and started to pray and, and to ask God, you know, God, how do you want me to be involved in your mission so that I'm living on mission, I'm living on purpose for things that are not fleeting and passing away, but things that have eternal weight and consequence. You know, how do you live a life that matters? That's how. And that's what God was dealing with me uh, at that time. And, of course, uh, because of how God works, it didn't just so happen, but it so happened that right about that time, a pair of IMB missionaries came to the Tuscaloosa County Baptist Association and said, we're looking for churches to get involved in this work with us. And uh, one of those missionaries was the other gentleman in the picture on the previous slide. And so that's how God began to sort of get me involved with it. And he used people, he used Brother David, uh, Pastor David's messages and preaching. He used uh, people in my life. He used the season we were in. He used his word. And he used these missionaries to all come together at a point where I felt the Lord was calling our church and I felt the Lord was calling me personally to get involved with this particular mission effort. So if you would go to the next slide. This is the uh, the missionaries that came to our church and spoke. And what blew me away was uh, when uh, you know, his name is Dietrich, her name is Chandra, and when they came, Dietrich said, I'm, I'm a farmer from Colorado. I, I just, the Lord has put this burden on my heart to go and share the gospel in Africa. And it just, I don't know about you, uh, but when I think about missionaries, and I think for a lot of people who grew up not, you know, in the era of the, the good news about the cooperative program is it keeps missionaries on the field. The bad news about that is that Missionaries are out on the field, and we don't know them personally. And we have this idea that they're, you know, they're these. We don't think about them like real people. They're they're some group of spotless Christian heroes that's across the seas, and you don't really see them. And instead, there turns out they're just people like us. They're they're farmers from Colorado that God has put a burden on their life. 
And as they were talking that day and sharing what the IMB was doing, it began to really, uh, I just felt the Lord drawing me to it. So if you go to the next slide, I'll talk about, well, what is it they were coming to talk about? Well, they came to talk about us becoming an engaging church. So a few years ago, the IMB went to a model where they're asking Southern Baptist churches to become what they call an engaging church. Because if you look at, they've done all this research and this work, and they've basically gotten the world where they can plot for you all of the unreached people groups and unreached people groups of which there are nearly 7,000, are people groups, ethnicities, you know, language groups. It's a cohort of people that are distinct and have their own culture. There are 7,000 people groups in the world today where 0 to 2% of that population is reached with the gospel and are Bible-believing, you know, born-again believers. And so when the gospel is that underpenetrated, they consider those people unreached people groups. Unengaged unreached people groups means not only are there zero to two percent believers in a community, but there's no active engagement, ministry, or plan trying to reach those people with the gospel. And so of that group, there's nearly, there's 3,200 or so. And they were saying one of these people groups is in the area where we are, the country where our IMB missionaries are. Uh, and we're coming to talk to the Tuscaloosa County Baptist Association about finding churches who would be willing to basically adopt this people group and start to try to engage them with the gospel. And what that looks like is, one of the other things I remember saying that day is, these 3,200 are unengaged and unreached for a reason. All the easy ones have been taken. You know, there's a remote place to get to, and uh, they don't have, in this case, they have no written language. So you think about trying to share and witness and uh, plant a church among people where there's no written language, that introduces a whole new set of challenges because you can't hand them a Bible in their language. You can't hand them a Bible in any language. You can't necessarily give them tracts. You can't, you know, it's going to be completely different. And so they began to teach us this method uh, called ST4T, which is storytelling for trainers, that these cultures, they tell their own history in the form of a story. And so unlike here where, you know, you can put on a special program with free chicken and, you know, whatever, and you can't get somebody to show up and listen, over there, if you walk up and say, hey, I'd like to share a story from God's Word, a crowd will gather because they, storytelling is so important to them culturally that they'll actually gather up and you'll have like a, a, a ring of people stand there to listen. I mean, that's just an amazing God-given opportunity. And you can use that method, to, and it's reproducible by the local church. So if you have a believer now, they can use that same method. They can uh, storytell from the Bible. And the way you do it is not like, hey, you know, once upon a time. You're trying to, as close as possible, mirror what you say to a conversational version of the biblical text. Because as we just read in the book of Romans, we believe as Southern Baptists that faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God. There is power in God's word and he will use it to accomplish what he desires. So if you go and you share a biblical story that is the, 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 the text of scripture with somebody and tell them about Jesus Christ and who he is, God will begin to use that. And so that's the method and they trained us on that. And we began to engage. If you would go to the, uh, to the next slide. So where are they asking us to go to? So it's on the far side of the world, on the west coast of Africa, 
I just got just a little bit of the east coast of the United States so you can see. So to get there, you fly to Paris, France, and then from Paris, France, down to Mauritania, and from Mauritania, down to Guinea. And all told, you've got, you know, a day and a half of flying in order to get from where we are to where this unengaged, unreached people are. And if you go to the next slide, once you get there, you land on the coastal capital of Conakry, and now you have to drive across very poor infrastructure all the way across this country and to the other, the very opposite border. Because, again, these people are unengaged and unreached for a reason. They live in an extraordinarily remote place. Uh, and, you know, in where they live, there's not access to the gospel. They can't turn on the radio and hear the gospel. They don't have Bibles. There's no, in fact, in the area where there's no indigenous church nearby. It is extraordinarily remote. This is the African bush, uh, and there's not access to the gospel in these places. All right, if you'll go to the next one. When you land, you roll up and you get into, uh, thank you, by the way, for your Lottie Moon Christmas offerings, buy stuff like this uh, IMB land cruiser that we can load up in and drive from the capital out there to share the gospel with people that have never heard it before. So you roll out, you know, while it's still dark and start driving for what will be 26 hours of driving. So you've already, you know, flown for a day and a half, and now you're going to drive for the next two days in order to get to these unengaged, unreached people. And if you go to the next slide, you get a little bit of an idea of what the roads look like uh, in a lot of places. They're not exactly, you know, United States interstate highways. A lot of it's dirt. A lot of it is um, even places that were paved, you know, they don't have the money in, in a country like Guinea in order to keep the infrastructure up. So there would be potholes that you could lose, you know, a small car in. Uh, and because they only have two rainy, it's hot all the time. They have two seasons, rainy season and dry season. There are 18-wheelers on these roads, believe it or not. And so in the rainy season, they'll get stuck and bury an 18-wheeler. Uh, and then when the dry season comes, if you'll go to the next slide, you'll have, that's a pretty mild one, but you'll start to have these ruts. I've got one picture where we're going down in one and you can barely see the roof of the land cruiser because of the hole that you're going through. So you're, you're trekking across. And again, you start to get a feeling of, hey, this is the year 2019. How can there still be 3,200 people groups where nobody is going to share the gospel with them? And this is part of the answer is that... Um, it's difficult to get there. You, you, have to be, you have to be trying to get there on purpose, and you have to be uh, you know, making a serious effort to get there. If you would go to the next slide, uh, that's just a picture of a, of a Guinea Walmart. You might stop you know, on, on the roadside for a snack or something. You can go to the next slide. And it's a beautiful country. You get a little bit of a view for, you know, it's, it's, it's green, it's mountainous. It's not what you would normally think of as, um, you know, um, it's not like sub, you know, Saharan Africa or North Africa. It's a beautiful country. And uh, just while we're here, I'll mention that the gentleman uh, that's our translator is another case where God brought somebody miraculously into this ministry where when we were showing up for our first trip, the translator who was supposed to go with us was stuck in another country and couldn't get out. And through a friend of a friend found Aliou, who is now just an integral part of this mission project. He's a pastor in the capital city of Conakry, but he's originally from nearby the people group that we're working with. 
And so he speaks their language and speaks English. If you'll go to the next slide. You know, after 26 hours of driving, you'll, you'll get to the village of Basoba, which is the town where it's sort of the capital of the Becca people. And on the next slide, you can see when you get there, you get to Maury's Hut. This is our home away from home while we're staying there. And our host graciously gives up his hut, goes to sleep in his kitchen hut, so that we're able to stay there and have a base of operations uh, while we're there. And if you go to the next slide, you can see what are we there to do. This is the main thing, is once you're there, you're going around and getting into conversations with people to try to share a story from God's Word and try to share a gospel presentation. And this particular one is one where you can draw in the dirt so it's a little easier. You can kind of, you don't get lost while you're telling it. And you basically get to share the story with people who have never heard it in their lives that, hey, you were created by God. God had a perfect design. You get to talk about the garden. You talk about the fall and how sin separated man from God and how, you know, this story is called the two paths because after sin entered the world, man found himself on a road that leads to death and destruction. It's the road that leads to hell. But God, in his mercy and kindness and grace, has made a new and living way through the blood of Jesus Christ by which you can be reconciled to him. And through the cross, if you see the cross, you see it leads from the broad way to the narrow way. That's not on accident. We're telling them that there is a new and living way, a narrow road that leads to life. And there are few that find it. But you, regardless of what you've done in your life, regardless of the sin that you have committed, that Jesus is willing to forgive you and that Jesus will, will translate you out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light and put you on that road back to fellowship with God. And that's the story of the two paths. And... You get to tell that all day long. That's the, all this other stuff of all the travel, all the everything, is just to deliver people there who will share that gospel message with them and share stories from God's Word. That's what we do. And you say, well, where's the part where, you know, this, this sounds like an unusual mission trip. And the answer is it is. It is an unusual mission trip. Um, you know, my background, I didn't grow up in the Southern Baptist Church. Uh, I really didn't have a very good understanding of the IMB or the cooperative program or any of that stuff until Pastor David, um, you know, put an emphasis on it and talked about it at our church. And I certainly didn't, I had never been on a mission trip of any kind. I hadn't been around the corner on a mission trip. And so, the, but I felt the Lord was calling me. And so, you know, hey, let's go to Africa. Uh, and, it was the first time I had ever, you know, been on a mission trip of any kind, and it's a two-week uh, trip to the, to the African bush to go share the gospel and share stories with people. And I wouldn't have it any other way, frankly. I, I love the fact that, f- for me personally, the fact that there are still places in this world that you can walk into in 2019 and share the gospel where it's never been heard. I mean, it's like the book of Acts. You're walking into town like Paul and Silas, and you're telling people about, first of all, these people, they, they, they're, when you have no written language, you kind of just blend together a bunch of religious ideas. So they have what they call as folk Islam. So they would tell you they're Muslim, but they're really mostly African traditional religion, you know, and it's all kind of mixed together with some animism, and, you know, it's, it's, it's a mess. And either way, their concept of God is 
the Muslim concept of God. God does not love you. God is not a good, good father. He is far away. He's angry. And you better be good because if your good works aren't good enough, he might notice you and then he'll zap you. That's basically the way they think about God. And so the whole idea, when, when we shared the story of the prodigal son, the, the man that hosts us actually works at the mosque in the town. And when we shared the story of the prodigal son, he teared up and he said, this is a beautiful story. Because he's never, ever heard that God loves him, that he has a good plan for his life, that he will, he desires and made a way to reconcile him and, and bring him back into fellowship with him. If you would go to the next slide. Uh, you know, this is a gentleman that we gave uh, one of the other ministries. If you go to the next slide is, you know, hey, Walmart, this is you're going to get somebody from Alabama sharing the gospel. Walmart's going to get involved. At Walmart, we get these little cards. So as crazy as you're going to a place with no running water, no electricity, everybody's got a cell phone. Figure that out. They have to charge it with solar panels. And they're like, the, they're like our um, Go phones. They're not smartphones or anything. But every one of them has a slot for a micro SD card. And so we've gotten now 27 books of the Bible, audio read out loud so that they can listen to God's word when we're not there on these little audio cards. And we give them out every time we go. So basically, this is the Becca mission equivalent of handing somebody a Bible. And uh, on there also is a translation of the Jesus film. Y'all remember the Campus Crusade for Christ put out the Jesus film in the 80s? They sent, you know, sent them out. Anybody remember that? With long-haired mullet Jesus and they... They have translated that into so many languages now. It's basically the book of Luke read out loud, and then you translate it into the local language. And we've got a copy of that on there. And if you go to the next slide, this gentleman right here is the baker in the village. He's the bread maker. And we gave him one of those cards. And he began just, he was watching it and listening to it constantly. Even when he would go out on his bakery runs, this guy was not even a believer and he was playing it for people. Like, look at the, you need to listen to this. Can you believe this? And one of the things I think we get so numb to that um, God has used to, to just open my eyes is that he was, we came back after we gave him that card. And he's like, y'all got, sit down, you've got, you got to hear about this. Okay, there's a story on here where Jesus is in the boat, and he's asleep. Now, I know you had never heard this before, so just sit here and listen. Like, he's all excited, like he's telling us something we had never heard before. He's like, and Jesus is asleep, and the storm comes, and they think they're going to die. And he's like, and then they wake up Jesus, and they say, we're going we're gonna to die. And, and he says, peace, be still. And the storm just stops. And he's sitting there looking at us like, waiting on us to react. He's like, I was very not expecting that. <laughs> And he said, I love this story. And it just, you could see the emotion in his face. And it just, it shows how callous we get. You know, I, I don't know if it's, we, we take it for granted. We've heard the story of Jesus calming the storm so many times that we, we aren't sensitive. We don't have a heart for the power of God. And this guy came, encountered the word of God, and it wrecked him. And he just could not deal with the fact that, there, that God had brought Jesus to this earth, that he showed who he was. And so if you go to the next slide, in fact, the next one's a video. I, I put that one in there in case the video won't play. Uh, do you mind trying to see if the next slide's video will play? Um, 
If it won't, that's okay because this is a video of the day that I got to be there to see in the house of bread in Bethlehem, the house of bread, I got to see Adam Abamba, the, the bread maker, pray to receive Jesus Christ. And as far as we know, yes, amen. Praise God. The first ever Christian in an entire people group. We got to see it happen that day. And I don't know. I, it, it moves me to think about just the goodness of God and getting to see him at work to do things like that that only he can do. If you will go to the next slide. Um, well, you can actually see him praying there for saved. This is another gentleman that lives in the village that he went off and he's uh, an educated man and he speaks French. So we were able to give him a French Bible and he's been reading it nonstop. And he's told us, I believe that this is true. I believe this is the word of God. And I believe everything that you're teaching. And I believe that Jesus is the way of salvation. But he said, I just can't accept it yet because his wife and he have, um, they already have marriage problems. And in their culture, as with most Muslim cultures, if one of the believers becomes a Christian, they're an infidel, and the wife has the right to take the children and everything else and leave. And he doesn't want to, he loves his children. He's got about eight kids. And he doesn't want to lose his family. And he's counting the cost. So pray for Ahmed. If you would go to the next slide. Believe it or not, in the year 2019, there are still places in the world that have leprosy. This young man has had leprosy in his feet. I've been blessed to be able to see him recover. We've been able to take some, he needs antibiotics. That's what you need to cure leprosy it blows me away I mean they're so remote they don't have access to that and so we've been able to see him get better if you will go to uh, the next slide go one more Um, this is one of the other you want to talk about um, a unique experience is there are outlying villages if you think Basaba is remote they got places you can't get to with a car or anything else and you're walking a little footpath like this Walking into town two by two like Paul and Barnabas. And you're walking in there, and you're going to go in there. And this, if you go to the next slide, uh, this was that you finally, you walk for, you know, several miles, and you get there where you can finally see the first huts, and you're finally coming into view of the village. And when we arrived, they told us that um, we were the first outsiders who had ever been there. And then our friend Aliu said, and what they actually mean is you're the first white people who've ever been here. But they were being polite about it. You're the first outsiders. But uh, you're going to a place that has never had people walk in there with the gospel. And I'll never forget that first trip after we had been there. When we left, when we first got there, we were a spectacle. I mean, people were coming from everywhere to hear what we were going to share. And because it was such a spectacle, it was like these rings. It was like an amphitheater of people there to listen to us teach. It was unbelievable. But in their culture, there's a respect for your elders, something we could use a little more of here probably. And so the old people get the best seats. They get to come up front. Then the middle-aged people, and then the young adults, and then the teenagers. And so it's stratified by age. And the kids were in the back. And they're like, I mean, it's like something out of the Bible. They're like trying to stand on stuff where they can see you and hear what you're saying. And when we left the village this time, sorry, I'm getting emotional. 
the children of the village ran after us, waving to us as we left. And I just remember thinking, we're walking out of here the first time the gospel has ever been shared in this place. And all these kids who I know they didn't get a chance to hear, they were so far back, you know, I felt like we had brought light of the gospel for just one brief moment, and then we were carrying it with us as we left. And the burden of that is the reason that I go back every year. That feeling, I feel like we have, look, I'm, I'm not a pastor. I don't know what I'm doing. I just went through uh, you know, this training with the IMB and on sharing the gospel, sharing my personal testimony about how Jesus Christ saved me and had mercy on me, a sinner. And that's all you've got to be able to do. You've got to be able to tell them stories from the Bible. You've got to share your personal testimony. You have to share the gospel. And I feel like anybody can do that. And, you know, there are people on, there's another people group nearby that a church in Texas is working with. And there is a 68-year-old lady who goes to visit these, this people group. You have to go in, they're on an island. Uh, you have to get in a boat. Then you have to walk in three miles uphill of sand in order to get from the beach where you land to where the people group are. And she stays there for two weeks with a group mission team sharing the gospel. So I'm like, look, if, if Miss Ruth can go share the gospel, you know, at that place, I ought to be able to, you know, tough it out uh, and, and go and sleep in a hut for a couple of weeks. And so just to sort of bring all this to conclusion the thing that God has done in, in my life through all of this is that I've gotten to see God at work. I, I love, I don't know if any of you have ever done Dr. Blackaby's study of experiencing God, but that is something that has always meant a lot to me. And this was a case where so clearly I could see God was at work. The number of prayers that have been answered. When Dietrich first went to these people, uh, the very first time he walked into the village... He talked to them, he met them, the elders greeted him, and um, he told them that he was a teacher of God's word and, and a person of prayer. And they said, well, then will you pray for us? We've got some needs. And he said, absolutely. And they asked him to pray. They didn't have clean drinking water. They had to go a long way to a nearby creek to get water. They couldn't get people in and out. The roads were a mess. And... Um, it's the rainy season, and the rains haven't come, and they're farmers. So if the rains don't show up, our crops are going to fail, and a lot of people are going to starve. Uh, and so they asked him to pray for those things. When we went back the next time, six months later, they said, it started raining for four days after you prayed. The government came in after that, just so happened, to come in after that and dig six wells in the town so that now we don't have to go down... And they said this, they said, we see how you pray is different than how we pray. We see that the power of Jesus is great. And shortly there, I mean, time would fail me if I began to tell you all the ways I've seen God answer prayer. We had our new believer on the last trip. We went and, you know, this is a place you're talking about a tropical region. There's uh, you have to, you know, get shots for yellow fever and you have to take antimalarials and stuff to go. And his wife had been feeling sick for over a month, and she was having pain in her body, and she was running fever, and that had been the case for over a month. And they asked us to pray for her. And I am such a faithless person 
that when I hear some of these things, I think, oh, Lord, that doesn't sound good. That's the symptoms of either the early onset of yellow fever. I mean, this is bad. We prayed over her. The next day she was completely better and was never sick again after that. Praise Jesus. We had another time where our host, the man that hosts us, said, my son, my oldest son from my first marriage, my wife died. He's been in Liberia all the way through the Liberian Civil War, and I haven't heard from him in about nine years. And again, because I just over and over again am confronted by my lack of faith, I think that doesn't sound good. Charles Taylor's civil war in Liberia was a bloody, awful mess. If you haven't heard from him, that is not good. He said, I want you to pray that I will hear from my lost son. After nine years, we prayed on the day that we left. Three months later, his son called him and said, I'm coming back home and I want to live with you in the village. And so now every time we get to go, Maury says, listen to this. He said, I want to thank you because of the power of Jesus, because the son of mine was lost and now he's found. And so many times things like that happen in the course of this mission effort. And time and again, I doubt God and I don't make it real in my own life of just the fact that we serve the almighty maker of the universe. He can do anything that he wants to, including send a bunch of ignorant you know, people from Ralph, Alabama to go share the gospel with people on the far side of the world and use his own word and use his own plan and use his own uh, you know, church being the church in order for people to come to salvation. And you know, if you're here this morning and... You're saying, I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't know what, you know, all this good news you're talking about. Listen, the same good news that will save them on the far side of the world will save you here this morning. If you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I have good news for you today. Because only sinners qualify for salvation. And if you're here today and you realize that you have sinned, that your sins have separated you from God, then today... You can place your faith in the, in the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who came, born of a woman, born under the law, that he might redeem those who were under the law. Lived a perfect sinless life, went to the cross for your sins, died a criminal's death on a cross, but that was not the end. He got up and was declared to be the Son of God with power, over death, hell, and the grave, and if you place your faith and trust in Him, today you can be saved from all of your sins, past, present, and future. And that is good news. So today, if you're not a child of God, this invitation is for you. If you are a child of God, and as a member of this church, I want you to pray about what is our role in reaching our Jerusalem, our Judea, our Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Before Pastor David was my pastor, I had never heard anybody preach off Acts 1-8. I had never heard that we have a mission to accomplish at all four levels of ministry. We have a mission to accomplish in our Jerusalem. That's our community. We have a mission to accomplish in our Judea. That's Alabama and regional missions. We have a mission to accomplish in our Samaria. That's North American missions. And we have a mission to accomplish to the uttermost parts of the earth. And so... I will be here today. I would love to talk to you more about Beckham Missions if you'd like to be involved. I want you to pray 
about that same question that I told you that Pastor David asked me that the Holy Spirit wouldn't let go of. How are you personally involved in the Great Commission? I want you to pray about that during this time of invitation and think, God, are you calling me today to be more involved in your Great Commission, to be living with that purpose and that mission in my life? So however God is, is speaking to you, do not harden your heart. And come now while we have a time of invitation. We hope this message will help you in your spiritual walk and growth. For more about Ridgecrest, please visit us on the web at www.rbc-tuscaloosa.com. Have a great day and God bless.